0: Welcome to The Savvy Innovators, presented by BMC Software. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will help guide you to look at innovation in your business as an effective means to a more impactful digital future. Find out how innovative technology can make a difference for your enterprise. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Thank you, whoever you are, kind sir. Welcome, welcome, welcome. (laughs) We are live, this is The Savvy Innovators. And I am privileged to have two very savvy innovators with me today. But let me first introduce the topic. Ladies, before I introduce you, we have Lynn Moffitt and we have Jin Zhang. Wave hello to LinkedIn. We don't have a fancy introduction screen there. <laughs> there we are. Okay, you're being seen by the world. I see there's some people there. So let me tell you what our topic is. This is a topic that impacts every company, everybody all over the place. So here we go. Recent data suggests that the great resignation, come on, you've all heard that, has become the great talent reshuffle. It's an extra word with a hyphen in it, but it's important. While 4.4 million Americans quit their jobs in February, more than half of those who quit, listen to this, are switching their occupation or their field of work. They're not leaving the workforce altogether. Well, compensation, yeah, what are you paying me? Has always been a reason to change jobs. There are many other issues emerging from, oh, this is why we're talking to our businesses around the world, company culture, company leadership, and for frontline workers, an unpredictable work schedule. That's from an article in Forbes. I have another buzz, and this one is from Computer World. Organizations are more vulnerable than ever to facing a depleted workforce. Well, are they quitting? Are they retiring? Are they saying bye-bye? Are they going somewhere else? They're depleting you. To address this challenge, a growing number of enterprises are deploying digital employee experience tools and services to support a modern workforce. If you don't think your workforce needs to be modernized and everything in your digital culture, you're missing out because that's what we're going to be talking today. I have a quote from firefishsoftware.com. I'm not sure what they are, but they say, it's almost unimaginable to think of the modern workplace without the impact of technology in all its various formats, right? Lynn is nodding and Jin is nodding. Fortunately, the myriad new technologies available are having a measurable impact on something which has become a hot topic of late, happiness levels. Are your employees happy? Come on, they are the life force of your business. Today, it's a brave new world. Great resignation, great reshuffle. It all has to do with how and where employees want to work, if they want to work, when they want to work, where they want to put their energy, and are they holding up the mission and commitment of your business? Are they really, really there? There are lots of tools. Happy employees are the best brand ambassadors to your customers, to your prospects, to your partners, to your stakeholders. So. Here we are on the Savvy Innovators Radio Live, presented by BMC. Lynn Moffat at BMC. Wave hello. There is Lynn. Hello. And Jin Zhang. Jin spells her last name Z-H-A-N-G if you want to find her online. And she's at Meta. And we're so happy to have you. And we're going to talk about, oh, I love this word, delighting employees and improving the business through modern digital experiences. Bonnie D in the house again. Happy to have you all here. Very, very hot topic. Are we happy? Lynn, are you happy where you're working? I'm very happy where I'm working. In fact, I'm so happy I came back to BMC.
2: So so it, it's it's a fantastic place place to be. And you need to be happy in order to, to,
1: to put in the hours in, in, in order to, to drive the change in, within the business. I agree. And Jin, what, I don't usually ask this question, but it seems <laughs> so germane to toward... our Jin Jong, are you happy where you're working? Absolutely. So I work for Meta. There's uh, tons of
3: caring for what we call the developer experience, which is precisely what we'll be uh, discussing. So that's uh, very important. Therefore, working for any employer who cares about it and place an emphasis there, that's a good place to be.
1: Thank you very much. And I love being an independent broadcaster because I get to meet really smart, savvy innovators like the both of you and like the people I work with at BMC who are the showrunners, and we'll name them later in the show. Let's do formal introductions informally. Lynn Moffat, you're up first. I'm going to try to put you on speaker view. Let's see how the how the how the, the metaverse holds up on this one. Sorry, Lynn. And uh, Lynn, please tell us a little bit about what you do, a little bit about BMC. But I think everybody watching the show already knows. And what makes you an expert on this topic? And Lynn, more important, why do you care about this? Why is it a big deal to you? Lynn Moffat, welcome.
2: Absolutely. So, so thank you, Bonnie. And, and first of all, I'm super excited to be here. So, uh, as you mentioned, uh, you know, I, I'm a, a leader w- within uh, BMC Software. I've actually been working in the in the people space or the HR space, call it what you will, for over 20 years. Um, I but prior to switching over to the people in HR space, I was actually in accounting. so I, I've actually gone through a lot of career development and then a lot of change here throughout my my history. And what I would say is that that's one of the areas that I'm super passionate about. It's one of the the things that has really attracted me to be to continuing to be a leader with, within the people in HR space. And so you know, I have responsibility for different areas within HR, as you might all be familiar with. You mentioned Bonnie, compensation, right? So, so that's actually one of the areas. It's, it's actually how I ended up hitting it over into people and spaces. Um, but I also have responsibilities for other departments like HR business partners for some of our international HR operations uh, for payroll. And so all of that has given me a really broad view and perspective in terms of what it takes to really bring a, a people experience to a company. Um, so so that, that's a little bit about me and, and who I am. Um, so you know, yeah, that's that that's that that's what energizes me every day is the ability to come and, and bring all of these experiences together, but I also have new problems to solve every day. And that's that's what what I also really
1: enjoy. Thank you very much. Very interesting viewpoint of I'll call it modern HR, Lynn. We mm-hmm. used to be told HR works for the company, not for you, Mr. Ms. or they, them, which we didn't say back in the day, employee don't talk to HR. They don't have your best interests at heart. And I'd like to think that that has changed and morphed and grown and become more more amenable. Energized was a word. We just froze, but we're going to continue talking. Jin, I want you to introduce yourself, please.
3: Thank you, Bonnie. You see, the metaverse, uh, metaverse is working out great, right? The speaker view happens well. So um, I am Jin Zhang. I am an engineering director working at Meta. Now, day job. Uh, my focus is on capacity engineering, so it's one of many engineering disciplines where my job is to focus on we uh, making sure we have enough servers running behind the scene. You never see them, but you get to see these you know smooth uh, interactions in the digital space, whether that's Facebook, you know, whether that's using Instagram or all of our apps and products. Now, the fun thing that's fascinating, Lynn, for me to hear from you is I did not know you have an accounting background, right? So I can see how this mix of disciplines has really enriched your ex- expertise as you're, you know, thinking about leading HR and how to innovate with all these uncertainties. And I think where I relate to you, Lynn, as an engineering leader, I also constantly think about, am I team, uh, is, are my developers happy? Are my engineers productive? What is it that I can do to get them more productive? So uh, we do productivity survey every year. And it's not just a survey. Let me tell you, I live by it, taking it so seriously, Mm -hmm. a whole set of actions, measure it, right, step by step. So it's just fascinating to get to have this opportunity to brainstorm with you and see what are all these new things bringing us to.
1: I okay. love it. I love it when my guests, when our panelists, talk to each other. Thank you, Jen. That's always always a good thing when you well acknowledge each other. But when there's already a synchronicity in terms of interest, topics, expertise, this makes it a rich conversation. So thank you so much, ladies. Now is the part of the show where I've asked my guests to send me a fictional character quote from a movie or a TV show. Mm-hmm. That has absolutely nothing to do with the topic, duh. And they're going to tell us what it does have to do with the topic. And this way we're going to get to hear them be creative, prophetic, prosaic, poetic, humorous, whatever it is. So let's see where the quotes take us today. This is always interesting to me. And by the way, this is not rehearsed behind the scenes. So let's see what they have to say. Lynn Moffat has selected a quote from Dr. Emmett Brown, a.k.a. Doc Brown, played by the one and only Christopher Lloyd. The movie, of course... Back to the Future, this was in part two, a 1985 sci-fi hit comedy film. Emmett Lathrop, Doc Brown, PhD, is a fictional character in the trilogy. He's the inventor of the first time machine built out of a DeLorean sports car. (laughs) You have to love the concept. The character is portrayed by him in all three films. Uh, Here's just a little background. In the 1980 sci-fi classic, small-town California teen Marty McFly, also the wonderful Michael J. Fox, is thrown back into the 50s when an experiment by eccentric scientist friend Doc Brown goes awry. Traveling through time in a modified DeLorean car, Marty encounters young versions of his parents, and he must make sure that they fall in love <laughs> back in the day for the future, or else he won't exist. That would have been interesting. Even more dauntingly, Marty has to return to his own timeline and save the life of Doc Brown. Oh, Marty works so hard. Here's the quote already. Get to it, Bonnie. Roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. Okay, Lynn, take us down the road to what this has to do with our topic, <laughs> delighting employees and modern employee experiences. Go ahead.
2: Well, so I, I love this quote for a myriad of reasons. You know, one is I love the future forward thinking part of it. And, and it, to me, it really challenges us to think about what infrastructure are we going to need for the future? Because you think about today, we need roads, right? It, roads have existed for centuries in, in some format or, or the other. But we can have a vision or a future without roads. I mean, think of just all of the changes that we've gone through from a workplace perspective and, and how that's changed. I think about how it's changed in the 30 years since I first entered. You know, in my first job out of college, we didn't have laptops. We, we were still doing paper and pencil in terms of audit files. And, you know, we finally, we got laptops issued for a team the next year. So, Think about. It. I can't imagine going into and doing my work today without a laptop. I mean, it, you just—it's it, incomprehensible. And where the future is going to be thirty years from now, who knows where it's going to be? But we're going to need to—we're going to need to go there, and it's likely going to evolve faster than by thirty years ago without having a laptop. Um, but you know, the other piece where I really love this movie. First of all, it's just for me as a Gen Xer that this movie really spoke to me. It's a part of my generation. But what I loved about this movie as well is. The, the importance of, a, of human connectivity. And, and I think that's something that no matter where we are from, from a technology standpoint, we're always gonna need that human connectivity. And, and actually, you know, the pandemic has really put that, that into a huge focus. And I think companies are really gonna to need to think about both things, right? How, do, how, we're, how are we gonna work in the future, but how do we really embrace the human connectivity and, and help to enable that as well?
1: Thank you very much. And connectivity, human connectivity, love that phrase because that talks about happiness. We're supposed to aspire to be happy and to help each other be happy. I thought that was part of the bargain why we're here. It's Somebody invented the word happy. But thank you very much, Lynn. V- very well put. Gin has picked another very classic quote. This is a wonderful one. Haven't had this on the show in a long time. Forrest Gump, played by Tom Hanks. The movie is 1994 American Epic, romantic comedy drama film. Now, I love, Jin, where they take all these genres and they put them together. It's epic. Okay, it's big. It's romantic. That's nice. It's a comedy and a drama. So they laugh, they cry. You know the the drama. Yes, the laughing and the crying masks. Uh, Forrest Gump, blah, blah, blah. Based on the 1986 novel by Winston Groom and stars Tom Hanks, Robin Wright, Gary Sinise, My Williamson, and Sally Field. I forgot that she was in it. The story depicts several decades in the life of Forrest Gump, a slow-witted, but very kind-hearted man from Alabama who witnesses and unwittingly influences several defining historical events in the 20th century United States. The film, by the way, is very different from the novel. But what's interesting to me is that in Back to the Future, Marty McFly and Doc Brown were influencing the future, if not making it. And you picked a quote, I'll get to it in a second, Jen, about how Forrest Gump was influencing the the future influencing events that became the future so very interesting and there was I don't think the two of you got together and pick quotes together did you no, no. that's no. the magic that's the magic of the quote <laughs> section so here's the quote Jen has picked my mama always said life was like a box of chocolates you never know what you're gonna get gin I'm ready for a box of chocolates <laughs> <laughs> sorry oh, I didn't have breakfast gin how did you pick this and what does this have to do with our topic go ahead
3: well, first I have to say, Lynn and I did not uh, rehearse on this one. Uh, <laughs> we just picked our thing, and coming back, I was just amazed, right? At how uh, how much connection we're, we're we're talking about here? There's many things, you know, as you talked about predicting the future, or it's that human connection, right? The connection from out of there versus the connection uh, as we're all just with our solid footing on the on the ground. Well, the reason I picked this quote, uh, this is a 94 movie, and that is the year when I came to this country as a new immigrant, well, uh, actually new international student at the time, I haven't even immigrated. So for me, that is a life changing experience, for sure. That is the start of me getting into tech. That is the beginning of my learning journey, you know, thinking, uh, dealing with all sorts of challenges, but also all sorts of opportunities. Right, um, so it really just describes this. Uh, I, I think it's very, you know, important thing for us to 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 realize. I often remind myself with this quote, but I especially love that positive spin. Right? We're talking about chocolate here. Bonnie yes. wants some, sending over to her right <laughs> now, and I'm working on that here with our metaverse. Right? Uh, so think about it. Right? There, there's always these challenges, but there's always something sweet, rewarding. The tone, the the foundational tone is always that positivity. And I think, you know, as we're about to get into the conversation here, that is going to be such an important one, just like, you know, the whole beginning word of that delighting, right? It is about delighting our employees, our team members, and certainly our customers here.
1: Thank you very much. And I'm thinking the whole concept of chocolate is it should be happiness. Just the idea—a box of chocolates, not just one. One, I'd, I'd settle for one, but a box of chocolates. <laughs> you the can't mystery, well. the what? Right, the mystery, the wonder, the discovery, the connection with the chocolate. Yes, I like this one. No, and well, it's chocolate. I'll take it anyway. Thank you very much, both, for putting the effort and the time into picking quotes that so nicely relate to our topic. I appreciate both of you for doing that. Now we're launching into our real conversation, which we've been skirting around since we started. We're 15 minutes in already and we've got a lot to cover. So Lynn, I'm going to talk about your statement number one first. I think this is a good way to start. And Jen, I'll pick a statement for you and put it in the chat in a few minutes. So Lynn's gonna unpack this for a couple of minutes. Take your time. And then I'm going to ask Jen to agree or disagree. To our viewers and our listeners, that's the format of the show. So we'll do a point-counterpoint. I might chime in with a comment here and there, which I'm prone to do. So here's what Lynn said before the show. She said, employees, whether remote or hybrid, expect connectivity productivity, and digital security. With the impact of ever-changing global events, employees also need access to modern tools that promote a culture of resiliency. You've got so many buzzwords in those two sentences, Lynn. (laughs) You've got so much to talk about in there. So I'm going to let you go for it, please.
2: Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, and and absolutely a lot to unpack there. But you know, where, where I would really simplify this down a little bit to is that, you know, fundamentally, employees live in our current world today. They're consumers. They know what technology should look like, should feel like from, from some of the best companies that are out there. And they're expecting to ultimately bring some of that consumer experience into their employee workplace experience. And I think that's really the, the important part here when we think about, you know, the, the connectivity, the productivity Which you know, what I really love the productivity piece of things because again, with my example in terms of my introduction, right? I would go out to audit clients. I would literally bring out supply trunks with with audit files and have to handwrite out all of my notes. That's not how an audit is done today, and that's not how people want to do any type of their work today, right? It's you know, people want to be productive. They want to be efficient in what they do. You think about if you're a consumer and you have you have an issue or a problem. You don't wait on hold for an hour before somebody can get to you finally and, and actually you know, help you with your issue. You want to be able to resolve it quickly, efficiently. You probably aren't even calling in because you you don't wanna necessarily know and just to simply check your balance. So you, you want that efficiency and productivity in your all in your daily work life because nobody come at you know, decides to take a job. And they want to sit behind a spreadsheet version all day long and, and retyping and, and re- you know, redoing different different things that are not value added. People want, to, people want to add value, and they want to add value much earlier in their career. And that's really important, too, from a technology-basis perspective. What can the employer really do to help support that? Because ultimately, too, if you're helping to enable that value-add, that, that productivity, you're going to be much better as a business, you know, uh, as a business. You're going to be much more successful. And so, this isn't just about maybe touchy feely employee experience, but it's also about how can you better drive revenue? How can you better be be a better competitor out there in the marketplace? So, to me, that that's really you know, oh, you, we our employees expect it. They're they're not going to be happy. They're not going to stay if they if they don't get that experience. And more and more companies need to be able to enable that. So, that they can get that connectivity, that
3: productivity out of their employees.
1: Thank you, Lynn. Great conversation starter. Jen, you're up. Agree or disagree? Where do you want to go with this?
3: Well, I'm going to answer it hopefully in a way that would please you because you had warned me earlier on that I should not always (laughs) agree with everything Lynn said. (laughs) However, Bonnie, on this one, I do agree with her strongly. And in fact, what I'll do is, you know, Lynn described this beautiful you know, employee journey and and her perspective as an HR leader, right? Even using the her auditing years of uh you know uh, background or or experience as an example here. But what I will do is to expand Lynn's view here. I'd like to take a step at what it means from let's say a system or software developer perspective, right? For 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 that particular timeline. So usually we draw a timeline literally for any engineers or any developers to say, Here's the ideation. We start on the very left, right, and we start sketch up. We have a mock up, and then we're going to move further and put more code into it, put more feature and capability into it. And somewhere, as we're about ready, right, the the whole um, usability or or the the feature is coming to the point where it's usable. It's going to do something, right? It's going to respond to uh, a command from Bonnie here. And from there, you know, we go in and do some testing. We make sure that's solid. We cleared off all the bugs and we get it shipped out. So that's kind of a timeline journey for a developer or any product, right, from left to the right. Mm -hmm. And what Bonnie has talked about here really is this desire for all the engineers, right, on this entire line, all the different functions they do to say, I want to focus my precious time on more value-add tasks, right? Mm -hmm. I want my code, my time spent, matter to Bonnie, you as that end user, right? To your end, end user experience immediately. So if I look at the day, my my day and my calendar, right? How much of that time I'm using thinking about the need, figuring out what you need, right? Coding and developing for, for, for yes. end users need versus any other, let's say, logistics, environment setup, right? Uh, being able to get to my code or send my code to the next team member in an in a easier way. So what we're seeing here is this whole shift of moving this timeline, moving the kind of the con- the test we do to the left, right? So that we, we have maybe more parallel tasks going on, but we do these a lot more early so that when we discover issues, we discover them sooner. We fix them sooner, right? So we don't have to wait for the whole thing to come together and realize, oh, something fundamental way early on was was wrong. So with all this huge, you know, shifting left effort here, um, you also want the tools to be more friendly. So, so think about this, right? Value add, shifting to the left, more automated, more friendly. All of these has this centralized word around that developer or that engineer. And the outcome is also a delighted customer. So I absolutely agree with Lynn here.
1: Thank you very much. And to both of you, while you were speaking, Lynn, and then Jen, it reminds me of when little kids come home from school and mommy says, what'd you do in school today? Mommy, look at what I learned. Or daddy, look at what I learned today. I learned this or I did this. I built a castle with my blocks or I colored outside the lines. And the teacher said, hey, that's okay because it's 2021 or 2022. And it's okay. I'm I'm making this up. But my point is, wouldn't it be nice, isn't it nice to come home from work? Or to leave your room at home where you were working, because we know about hybrid, to, to be able to say, look at what I accomplished at work today. Right, Jen? Look at what I accomplished. Right, Lynn? Uh, okay. accomplished. Look at what I contributed. I did X, Y, Z. They asked me to do ABC, and I expanded it. And I did more, or I did different. And my manager, my boss, my CEO, somebody said, you know, that was great. That was a good idea. Wouldn't we all love to have days like that? Yes, we would. Thank you very much. Lynn, anything you want to say back to Jen? And Jen, I put your next statement, which is a little overlap with what you just said, but I think there's more in there. So Lynn, anything you want to say back to Jen before I move on? But no, I
2: mean, what, what I would say is that, that I really loved her examples in terms of, from, from a work perspective, from a developer mindset perspective. And what I would just add on there, too, is that the tools that the developers need to interact with the rest of the company also need to be just as efficient as the tools that you have within your developer organization. And so I think that's also another big, important spot for companies to pay attention to from an investment perspective, from an experience perspective. Because at the end of the day, I want developers developing, right? That's where we want them focusing in on their time. Again, we don't want them spending tons of time going look, looking for their benefits information or, or other things that, that that are just a little bit more frustrating for them sometimes. So, so I just love that example and how you pulled that out.
1: Thank you both. Let's move on. Jen, I'm looking, going to read statement number two. I think there's, as I said, still more in here. So you say, with digital experiences that mirror consumer ease of use. Employers have an opportunity to recruit, retrain, empower the modern workforce with solutions that deliver intelligent self-service, increase collaboration, get rid of those silos already, automate workflows, you talked about that, allow employees more time to focus on innovative projects and work at the speed needed of a tech company the freedom to move fast. So let's talk about that consumer ease of use. And I remember to both of you, I remember years ago when the news broke that one of, I think it was Ford Motors, somebody said you can bring your devices to work. And that opened up a whole Pandora's box of, What are you taking home on the device? What proprietary software? What reports? What company intelligent, um, you know, ID stuff do you not want people to take out of their intellectual property was what I was looking for. So just an interesting concept of let them be themselves at work with their phones, with their laptops, with their whatever it is. But what happens when you let them go home? So Jen, you're up. Talk to us. Unpack, please.
3: I I love, um, you know, Bonnie, what you're sharing with us here. In fact, that's exactly where where I would start, right? Is how, as we evolve, uh, as the workplace, you know, become absolutely beyond each of the office buildings, you know, how that has really challenged technology, uh, challenged, you know, uh, HR policy or company plan. This entire whole set of changes to still enable that employee experience, right? That engineering productivity, uh, with that delight, uh, but without necessarily, you know, any uh, negative risk. I mean, for example, as we're thinking about now, the laptop comes into the office building and leaving the office building, you naturally worry about security, right? The physical security of the laptop, the um, you know valuable data that's uh, you know inside the, um, uh, the the laptop. So for that reason, these days you see. Almost all the companies, right, very common to have a set of, you know, privacy, security procedure, both for the physical devices, um, but also for, more importantly, the data that's inside, right? There are specific rules here about uh, for customer, you know, sensitive data, like customer information, what can, where can it go, right? So, So even within data, there's different classifications, there's all sorts of ways. So these are the things, now, if they are done well. They can be seamless for an engineer, for a developer. You just go with, you know, what you're working on and, you know, your workflow has thought about these for you already. Now, if things are not done well, imagine me being an engineer, right, that I had to check every step of the way, right? Or let's say seek permission or check in and check out of, you know, uh, whatever piece of data or whatever piece of code that I need to work with. And, and it's going to vary, depends on, you know, whether I'm working from my home office today or getting into the, uh, the, the regular office, man, that's going to be a nightmare, right? So um, really, really key here for, for us to think about is with that digital experience and the digital world we're in today, right? As we're thinking about providing that ease of use experience to delight our customers, it's almost exactly the same thing that's needed to be provided for our engineers, right? It's the security, it's the privacy, it's mm-hmm. the use of use, it's that automated flow so that again, they can focus their brain on the most value added tasks as we talked about, right? And that is for the goal of moving fast. In fact, you're, you're right, Bonnie, I, you know, this statement I have here is really an extension of what Lynn and I talked about earlier on, right? Um, and, and here the focus is about moving fast, that this is the where I want to bring up this statement. So in my company, you know, for our core company value set, moving fast is one of them, right? Moving fast is very important. We always wanted to have this sense of urgency, um, the sense of point to go serve our customers. And and you really don't want to um, trade off or sacrifice, you know, your speed over you wanted to have things perfect. But as always, it's a balance, right? You needed to have both happening. And and for this case, there's so much to do in the digital world for our uh, engineering experience because the more you can automate, the more you can enable that mm-hmm. collaboration, right? And all of these are like breaking barriers, right? Barriers that would slow you down or slow the teams down, right? And in that sense, it's really ultimately all leading to that one single goal, which is Let's go move fast and go delight our customers.
1: Perfection is the enemy of good. You've all heard that. And as far as moving fast, Lynn, I'm going to get to you for point counterpoint in a second, but I'm mm-hmm. thinking two and a half, three years ago, COVID, pandemic, businesses. Oh, my goodness. What are we going to do? Think of the companies that were able to, and here's a word from friends, a famous quote, pivot, pivot, pivot. Ross bringing the couch upstairs, a police episode. Okay. Well, think about that. Moving fast comes from the top down, doesn't it? In those cases where a company can say, We can pivot. We can do it fast. We used to make whiskey. Now we're making hand sanitizer. The world needs it. Stakeholders stand back. We're still in business. Think of that moving fast where the entire, it wasn't even change management is it? we can do it. Let's all pull together and reset those machines and go out and do something that the world needs right now. Not in a three-year plan, not in a six-month plan. We're going to do it in three weeks or five weeks. So I, I had to get that out because what you said excited me. Pivot pivot. Lynn, comments on what Jen just said. Go ahead, please.
2: Yeah, no, what, what, what I really also wanted to pick up on was on the moving fast component and how important it is for companies to move fast. But also, you do need to pick up on the change management component most of the time. Now, Bonnie, you threw out a really great example from a COVID perspective. You didn't have time for change management during that time. And in fact, so I'll again, I'll bring in a little bit of an example of my own work experience. I was not at BMC, but I was at another company, and about one-third of my workforce in, in the country I was leading didn't have a laptop. So, you know what, guess what? In two, in two weeks' time, we got laptops because otherwise we would have been out of business. I mean, so so sometimes you are forced to go along that, that change management curve, and you, you, you have to get there in order to survive. But in, in other instances, in, in companies where you've been around maybe for several decades, you know, BMC has been around for 40 years, we do need to think about how we can move fast but how we can enable the change management as well to bring everyone along because people are on all different walks of, of, of their own journeys. You know, some people are much further along in their own technological journey versus others. Um, some people get scared around change, right? And, and just what does this mean for my own job? And so you've got to also think too about when you're re- when you're replacing tech, upgrading tech, what is it that you're going to do to help bring along your employees so they're not fearful of it. And that may lead into more thinking around what are the skill sets that we need for the future? Do these employees who've got great experience here at at the company, but maybe we need to reskill them. And and so it's it's being much more intentional about that and thinking about that as as you're really, again, moving your own company forward uh, and and bringing everybody along.
1: And I think the, uh, under the subtext there, Lynn and, and Jen as well is, the demographics of your workforce. We were saying even two, three years ago that there were five generational cohorts, if you will, working. Sometimes it was side by side because it was in the office before or in the factory before COVID. Now they're all over the place. But the point is that bringing them along, upskilling, reskilling, making them happy to be at work, letting them feel they're contributing at the speed the company needs for the business, that is a challenge because you have so many people with different ways of learning, different ways of feeling value, different value systems for value. So it is certainly, I'm guessing, Lynn, you can probably help me with this. It's, it's a moving target of who's still in your workforce and what, what generation are they in? How modern is their digital knowledge, their skill set? And then whom do you bring in in your new job descriptions? How do you describe what new people are going to find? You're going to be working next to somebody who's been here 45 years and he hates technology. Good luck, Charlie. Okay, so
0: you got my
1: point. Lynn, any, you want to make a quick comment back before we move on? I'm going to have Jen come back to you. But Lynn, anything about what I just said? Go ahead.
2: Yeah, no. Look, I, I think that's a really important point. And you know, again, it, it's maybe not even generational, but it's also educational. It's how you communicate, and so you've got to be really thinking about all those different channels on on how, again, you, you get employees comfortable. And I think another important point is that employees have to be comfortable to fail. Every every you, you don't want failure all over the place, right? And and, and because otherwise, you, you won't be a successful business. But you can't again. Don't let perfection be the enemy of good. And you have to be able to fail and and, and give people that space to be able to do that as they're adopting all of these two.
1: Thank you. Jen, comments back to Lynn before we move on? I would just quickly expand that in addition to
3: this freedom to fail, right? We can also look at that as a key enabler to say employees or engineers or developers here should feel very comfortable in taking risks. And this happens all the time, right? As we are working on a product, we we, we chose to design it this way. We chose to implement it that way. And not all of them, that first iteration would come out to be the, the perfect uh, you know, uh, solution. So okay. in that sense, it's really nurturing that culture, nurturing, uh, create, providing the tools, but also enable the workflow. So there's enough places where if you fall, no problem, just you know, get up and dust off and we get on moving again. right? <laughs> and these are literally in the system, what we build in for that yeah. correction, for that feedback yes. loop right for that improvement and enhancement so again i'm coming back to this developer life or this timeline of how a product is built here it, these are all built in in order for these culture elements that lynn has been highlighting to be actually reflected so that it's not just a talk right it's actually ingrained deeply into our day-to-day workflow i think that's fascinating
1: It is, and and interesting, if you went to work for a company and they said, we have a fail fast, fail often security policy, where this is the level, this is the red level, the green level, the blue level, the turn in your badge and don't come back tomorrow level, (laughs) What, what if you, I'm sorry, what if you had something like that, where people would know that the culture allows you to experiment, which is another word for innovate which is another word for try something out. And the culture allowed it, encouraged it, fostered it, nurtured it, applauded it. But here was the cliff or the ledge on which you really don't want to go off off of that, or else there will be a problem. Interesting. I've, I've never heard of a company that had a, a stated policy, especially in a, in a job description. Jin, Jin, can you imagine in a tech company saying, yeah, you'll fail up to this, but at, at the point where it costs the company $1.2 million, I don't think you're going to stay here.
3: Any <laughs> it, longer. It, it It's just hard to imagine, right? The, the, it's hard to imagine the level of commitment and the courage. Uh, I think, you know, in, in our world here, the leadership has to unanimously hold on to in order to encourage these type of um, risk-taking. In fact, you know, Bonnie, what you just mentioned here made me have to share a, a quick story. This is, again, Please. we're going off the
1: script here, right? We're, we're we don't LinkedIn have a Life. script. We don't have a script. That's what's important, <laughs> but we're creating it as we go along. Go ahead, Jen.
3: Yes, yes. Life is like a box of chocolate here again. So we're currently on LinkedIn Live. And this reminds me um, a while back, right, on LinkedIn, um, there was a, a public post from a colleague of mine, a, a, a leader in meta infrastructure, talking about, at the time, a recent outage we had. Now, as I shared earlier, my job or, or bulk of my team, right, we take care of servers, all these computer servers that's running behind the scene, enabling us, right, for for, for a human connection in the digital world using all of our products. And we're talking about millions of servers, millions, which means At any given time, there could be many things, you know, come to challenge us and and glitches may happen, right? There could be a weather situation, there could be power situation, Um, there could be a software bug, and there could be a a system issue. So whenever we have these issues, you know, we would track these down and put, you know, all hands on deck working these issues. And we call these site events or subs, right? So one time a sub was introduced. By one of our developers or by one of our engineers, um, whether you would call that the red line or whatever. Guess what? We did not have such line, so we just went all hands on deck and dealt with the issue, got it resolved as quickly as possible, got everything back online, and then this particular public, you know, LinkedIn poster was to talk about this no blame culture, right? In our engineering, this happened. This is how we deal with it. I, I, I believe it's both on our external blog, but also specifically on LinkedIn here. But precisely to say we got it done, we learned from it, and now we're going to do a whole set of things to make sure, you know, whatever we learn here is, again, incorporated into this workflow, as I described earlier.
1: Learn from it. Key words, Jin. Right, Lynn? Learn Absolutely. from it. The employee, the management, the C-suite. The company, the stakeholders, learn from it. Do not repeat too many historical mistakes. Thank you both. Really good part of the conversation. Lynn, I'm going to go to your statement number three. I think we've covered a little, but we can take a deeper dive if that's okay with you. If you want to pass on it, I'll pick another one. But let me read this. You say, companies need to shift their mindset to a digital-first culture. But here's interesting. Acquiring data and knowledge about your workforce, their work practices, what they do every day as well is an exercise in data science with people management. Let's go into the science of people management. I think that'll be very interesting for our viewers and listeners. Lynn, go ahead.
2: Yeah, so you know, th- this is an area for me that I absolutely lean into. As you might imagine, I've got an accounting background. I actually came into total rewards into the, the, the people in spaces or HR, our place. So for me, my training is all around data and how do I use data to help me inform my decision making and my recommendations to executive management. And, you know, when when I when we started to to shift over into some of the other areas within people and spaces, what, what I found was that we just didn't have as much data there to really understand our employee population. And it's been incredibly helpful for us in the past two years for us to really launch out from our employee listening campaign to help fill the void a little bit there. And and Jen, you spoke a lot about this in terms of your employee survey that, that you really rely on as a manager to help you understand your, your team better. Because we all know from our the employee conversations that, that we can have as managers within the company itself, that sometimes people don't always feel comfortable sharing everything that they, that they want to. Sometimes you don't have enough time and, and with the right questions and, and the right sense of confidentiality, I think you can get a lot more really great information from your employees. And it helps us as a company to really understand in these different areas from an employee experience perspective, where do we need to do better? So again, w- without that data you know, from aggregating from, from the larger entire company survey, it's hard for us to make very informed recommendations to executive management for for investment decisions and for other programmatic decisions in terms of where we're going to go as a company. So, to me, it's it's the data. It's also the transparency. So the other you know huge factor part of this and, and you know, the reason why we chose the vendor that we did is that we can then put the data back into the hands where it needs to be, which is really in the hands of the managers. So it's great for for me sitting here and people in spaces to to be able to see the whole picture and and where do we want to go and and help steer the company from an overall direction. But there's also a lot of things that managers can do, like Jen. There's information you can react to, and I've got to be able to put that back into the hands where it needs to be. So again, we we can be more agile as a company and make sure we're all growing in the same direction and and fixing the problems that our employees say that that we need to be paying attention to.
1: Team, 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 right? Together, fixing problems, fixing issues, caring, caring about fixing issues. Jen, you're up. Agree or disagree?
3: Well, for this one, Liz, (laughs) I disagree. So notice you talked about two things here, right? You started with, you know, we need to go digital first. And then you talked about the value of collecting that data so that we can all learn, you know, analyze that data and have that data guide us for where to focus on. I would have to defer that. We don't start with digital first and here's the data because that right aligns with digital. Instead, step take a huge step back and look at today's workforce as it's all evolving, right like back to future here, to say, how do our task force want to work? what do they need to be successful and productive? Now, you notice I'm actually only slightly arguing them where you're, you're coming from. And eventually we're heading to the same place. But I'm just emphasizing that deep down driving costs is actually <clears throat> our own developers, our own employees. Before you decide on, let's say, you know a digital first cultural strategy or you know, focus on data collection for these. Now, why why do I bother to make this point when we're all heading together? Let me share a little bit more background here. So I'm an engineering leader, but I also have a hobby on the side where I teach. What do I teach? I teach about product innovation. Um, I teach about how to build a product that's being loved rather than being tolerated. Uh, how, do I, how do I produce code that contributes value rather than just creating waste, digital waste, right? Zeros and ones there. So I feel strongly about the starting point. And, and in product building, especially for you know, a lean approach, we talk, you know, if nothing else, there's one key principle there that is be problem focused. What is the problem we're trying to solve? What is the need there? What is the want there? What is the desire there? And therefore, back to this point to say we really have to zero in first to identify how your workplace a workforce wants to work and i'm sure you have you know tons of examples i don't i'd love to hear from you but i think all of us have seen especially with the pandemic right how this starting point has number one challenged us on some of the default assumptions because it's so dramatically different never ever in the history uh, until now and then two it also hugely opened up opportunities to say oh you know what was never thought of is actually now okay Because again, there's that desire, there's that wants, right? There's that new situation. Mm -hmm. The whole society is reshuffling and set up so that we're seeing some new insights from our workforce, from our team members to say, yes, they actually want to work this way. And let's go support and enable that to be more productive and to be able to get to that speed of, of, of desire.
1: Interesting. Lynn, you're up. Point, counterpoint, counterpoint. Go
2: yeah. back. Yeah. So, so, look, it, it, interesting point. I, I think I'm going to go back to the digital first mindset as, again, to me, it's the platform on, on how you make sure you can really, again, it, enable the, the, the overall employee workforce, how you can make sure that the, the work itself is as efficient as possible. And, you know, it, it is a, you do want to provide that the, the, those digital products to our employees that they want, right? And and so you, you can't just simply roll out things that are not going to be useful or helpful to employees. So so there is a bit of give and take here in terms of how do you prioritize ultimately what you think is is going to help enable that digital first mindset. So so I will you know, definitely say that as a part of, of our overall view of just the different products that we roll out, again, from a change management perspective, we always have to take into account... What are the major projects that we are going to roll out to our employee population? And we need to be able to know to a certain extent what is going to be adopted by our employee population. What what is it that they are asking about? But in some respects, sometimes I, I wouldn't even know what they would want if I didn't have a digital first platform to do that. So, for example, again, with employee listening. It's really important for us to know what our employees are thinking, but that's a digital first platform because we have to be able to be able to react to that information very quickly and and, and be able to work with that. But all the time, you do need to prioritize, and and there's a lot of different stakeholders in that prioritization process in terms of what it is, how does it fit your your overall people and spaces strategy, how does it fit your company strategy. It's all got to fit together when it comes to that.
1: Thank you. And you know what? Instead of getting Jin to comment back, I'm going to read your statement number four because I think this is a good, yes, you saw that. This is a good jumping in or bouncing off point to expand this part of the conversation. Thank you very much. Jin says, there are many tools, whether it's coding, testing, code reviewing, that are important for the employee experience, and we naturally focus on the use cases for employees who are now remote or at non-traditional workplaces, however- the opposite can be equally important. I think there's a lot to unpack there, Jen. Go for it. Thank you, Bonnie. That's you read my mind. Uh, that's exactly
3: what I was hoping. Is uh, we would just leave ahead and continue. The, Why the, not? The fun and you know, my learning with with Lynn here. So, Lynn, I love the example you shared, where you know, you as our you know as our HR leader, you focused on the value of working off real data and. The, the way you get the real data here is to by putting that clear priority for the entire companies that were digital first culture. Therefore, get the data in first, right? So I I totally you know get this, and I applaud for it, applaud you for that. Um, and I think we're um, augment your you know thinking and strategy. while well, that could be a clear guideline to invoke actions, and, and again, moving fast. But this is what we're talking about, right? For for getting that data, getting that work happening is is this, let's say, the guarding philosophical thinking, right? Mm -hmm. A step ahead, which I still feel strongly that needs to be centered around the need, the problem, the desire, right? About what our workforce wants to work. So I'll give you an example, right? As I mentioned here, naturally, when during the pandemic, when majority, when what's new here in our workforce are the employees who are now, you know, used to be in the office, but now remote used to be in a traditional office, but now in a non-traditional office. So naturally, you know, if you just look at where things are going, all the focus goes right there to say, what's new? How do I deal with it? How do I enable them? Right. But I actually feel strongly that if we step back with that guiding principle of, you know, problem first and make sure we de- define the problem before we go look for a solution, you see that you need to take care of if what you need is this holistic collaboration throughout your entire workforce, not only do you need to enable these new remote, you know, use cases, right? Non-traditional work cases, but you also have to enable the what used to be working very productive, working well in traditional settings, and, and now what's hindering them. So I'll give you guys an example right now. We're having fun, you know, okay. over Zoom here, LinkedIn Live. And we're having this conversation. and All of us are virtual, right? We're connecting from from different parts. If we need to raise a hand, we can see each other because there's only three of them. Now, let's say the meeting uh, attendees has increased from 3 to 30, right? Mm -hmm. We have this beautiful, you know, down below this raise hand feature where you can just see me raise my hand or lower my hand. Now, anticipate if half of the team members who are joining this discussion are joining from a traditional office, right, over a, a video and big screen TV in the in the conference room. They don't necessarily get to raise hands so easily and they don't necessarily get to, you don't necessarily get to identify was that Lynn or Jin who raised hand because they were sitting in the same room. So literally, one thing my team did, right, this is for, um, my company did for our internal employee productivity and again, for that delight there's we actually invested into the enablement, so that for folks over video call that's in the room, right, they have equal ability to raise their hands in that virtual meeting room, so that the entire, you know, cohesiveness is happening. It does not matter whether you're, you know, virtual remote or you're virtual in office. So this kind of mindset, right, thinking both directions, thinking holistically, I think can only happen if your driving point or starting point is out of that workforce desire.
1: Very interesting. Hadn't heard of that. Lynn, comments back?
3: Yeah. You
2: know, so I, I think it really hits on a point of flexibility, right? And, and if you think about the, the tremendous change we went through with the pandemic, yeah, you know, a lot of companies may have been experimenting around with some positions working from home, but a lot of people were in the traditional offices. And you know, I know from an experience perspective, you know, typically we had a, a few people who would who were remote, work from home. If we would have a, a team meeting, we would typically all be in one room. But then maybe I had this disembodied voice coming through the speakerphone. Who you know, they found it hard to interact. It was hard to kind of get everybody all together on the same page. And now coming back post pandemic we really do need to, to rethink how do we interact with each other? It's different and we all need to be flexible. And I don't think we're all going to have the same answers. We're also you know, maybe not going to have all the same types of investments in technology, but I think it, it goes to the fact that we need to rethink some of our spaces as well on how do we bring people together for purpose? And, and there's, you know the online, the digital formats that we can bring people together for purpose, and there's also then the in-person bringing people together for purpose, and there's definitely a need for both, and and so it's 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 going to be an environment that's going to continue to evolve, I think rapidly. I think it's going to be fascinating to see when the, the generation of, of of students who are in college today or who are in high school during the pandemic, what it, what are the impacts going to be to the workforce when they start actually coming in and graduating, because. They're going to have a completely different set of expectations, and I think we are only starting to scratch the surface in terms of all of the cultural change that we are are going to continue to to go through because of the, the pandemic.
1: Thank you very much. Ladies, I have to tell you, we have about three and a half minutes left. And I wish we had another hour because this is, to me, a fascinating conversation. I appreciate your commitment, both of you, to the topic and your energy and your insights. You're both very smart about this. But I want to, before we say goodbye, and I'll do some shout outs, I just want to read one statement. Yes, thank you, Andrew. I know four minutes left. Uh, one statement from um, from Lynn. Let me just read this little statistic here, and then we'll get a quick 30 seconds from each of you. Lynn says, IDC forecast that by 2023, which is not that far away, six. of G2000 businesses will employ AI and machine learning-enabled platforms to support the entire employee lifecycle experience from onboarding through retirement. OMG, we could do a whole show on just that. Lynn, uh, 30 seconds, and then Jen, and then we'll start to go. All right, 45 seconds. Go ahead, Lynn. Okay,
2: very quickly. Um, This technology is already starting to come online with with, with various vendors and and, within HR tech. But I would say though, it's very much in its infancy. So I think what employees are experiencing with chatbots or, or other AI and machine learning technology, we're only starting to really scratch the surface. So yes, it's gonna be a part of uh, the tech that people experience, but it again, 20 years from now, it's going to make our workplaces look completely different.
1: And we Standard know research. that, I think that, one second, I think that there are now, have been for years, AI gatekeepers on employee resumes submitted online, where if it doesn't see certain keywords or it doesn't see certain things, you don't get to speak to a real live recruiter, and that's a whole other topic. Lynn Jin, I'm sorry to interject there. Go ahead. You get your 45 seconds. All right, you can take a minute. Go ahead.
3: This is a very exciting topic, and I uh, just a side story I have to share, Bonnie. Is in order to come to the show, I did my homework and I listened to some of your episodes. One of the recent ones was about uh, this related to this topic, ARVR. I love, by the way, that you're the fact that you're enjoying your headset, and it's totally cool that you're you're not sharing with us uh, which brand you're you're using there. I just want to say I also enjoy my headset, my my own VR headset here, right? But I'm what, what I'm even more excited about here is the fact that we can we're looking very promising here, leveraging. The the AR, VR technology here, not only for just for our joy and entertainment, but more importantly for workplace. You know, I'm sure this is what Lynn is thinking about all the time too, right? New employee onboarding, right? Um, Training, employee training, right? And more importantly, as we talked about earlier on, right? We started the conversation today. We are here to delight employees and customers. Imagine Hmm. using that VR, right? And making it easier for us to all relate and get trained and relate to the customer situation so that you can gain more of that customer empathy. And imagine all of our engineering colleagues you know, that I have that I'm about to go see later today, they all have increased level of you know, customer empathy, know better about their pain point, know what it's like in their shoes, how much that would motivate all of us to do wonderful things and to move fast. So I'm absolutely excited about this topic. Bonnie, you're right. We can talk about this for another hour.
1: Yes, thank you. We'll have to talk to the powers that be. Speaking of, we have Stephanie Grubbs in the background. I work very closely with Stephanie on these shows. Hannah Cho is with us. And we have Janelle along Diakabana. And thank you, ladies, so much for being. Thank you, people, thank for you. being the showrunners here. Uh, I'm delighted to have met Lynn Moffat and Jin Jong. I appreciate both of you. And a shout-out to Andrew, my engineer at Voice America. Andrew's the friendly one. He always asks my guests how they're doing today. And we appreciate you, Andrew. So we're just about out of time. I want to say Bonnie D., Bonnie D. Graham, signing off. Everybody wave goodbye to LinkedIn. There we go. And wave goodbye virtually to the Voice America Business Channel. We appreciate you listening to us all over the world. We hope we've shared some interesting information. We hope we've inspired, motivated, maybe tickled you a little bit, maybe made you smile and gotten you to think a little more about delighting your employees. Because I come from a workforce back in the day when management didn't want to delight employees and they wanted to make us fearful and to cower in their presence. And it's a totally different world today. And I wish that I had been starting in this era where there was an empathy. I think, Jen, you used that word. So enough of the pontificating here. Bonnie D. signing off.
0: Thank you for listening to The Savvy Innovators presented by BMC Software. Be sure to join host Bonnie D. Graham on Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. You may start small, but start today. Where will your innovation journey begin? Reach out to BMC Innovation Labs at www.bmc.com to chart your digital transformation course.